All right, all right. Well, as you're grabbing a seat, I thought I would start with some road trip humor. A man and his wife were driving their RV across the country and were nearing a Florida town spelled K-I-S-S-I-M-E-E. They noticed the strange spelling and decided to figure out how to pronounce it. Was it kiss in me? Was it kiss in E? Was it kiss in me? And as they continued to drive, they grew more perplexed. Since they were hungry, they stopped to get something to eat. Once inside, the man said to the waitress, my wife and I can't seem to be able to figure out how to pronounce the name of this place. Would you tell me where we are and say it very slowly so that we can understand? The waitress looked at him and said, Denny's. <laughs> you might want to grab your notes out of your handout. Today, we're tackling a message called The Journey. Next week, we'll wrap up the series. And the premise is simple, that life is a journey, and the choices that we make determine our path. Our direction determines our destination. And quite frankly, not all pathways, not all directions are the same. In fact, as humans, we have the ability of choosing things for ourselves that are frivolous, wayward, and often downright dangerous. I thought what I'd do is start with a classic journey book for the kids in the room, and by kids, I mean kids of all ages. This is Oh, the Places You'll Go by Dr. Seuss. And it says, congratulations, today is your day. You're off to great places, you're off and away. You have brains in your head, that's true. You have feet in your shoes, most of you. You can steer yourself any direction you choose. You're on your own, and you know what you know and you are the guy who will decide where to go. You'll look up and down streets, look them over with care. About something you will say, I don't choose to go there. With your head full of brains and your shoes full of feet, you're too smart to go down any not so good street. And you may not find any you'll want to go down. In that case, of course, you'll head straight out of town. It's opener there in the wide open air. Out there, things can happen and frequently do to people as brainy and footsy as you. And when things start to happen, don't worry, don't stew, just go right along, you'll start happening too. Oh, the places you'll go. Now, that is so hopeful and so encouraging, and yet I want you to notice that Dr. Seuss brings up a very interesting sticky point, and that is that there are legitimately some not so good roads that we should choose not to go down. However, the, the reality is even though there are those roads that are not so good, leading to destinations that aren't so great, we as humans find ourselves traveling those roads from time to time. And I, and I want you to understand sort of this, this foundational truth when it comes to journeying, and that is that if you continue to go the direction that you're currently going you will end up exactly where the path you're on leads. And you might want to fill that in as sort of the foundational premise for the journey. If I keep going on this path I'm on, I'll end up exactly where I'm headed. Now friends, this is not brain science. This is not at all rocket surgery. Uh, this is sort of foundation level reality that, that if we continue along the road that we're traveling, we will end up where it leads. And yet I want you to understand how universally true it is. 
This is a true statement for your financial life. It's a true statement for your relationships. This is a true statement in all circumstances in life, including our moral lives and our spiritual lives. If we continue down the road we're currently traveling, it will take us somewhere, and that somewhere might not be where we want our lives to end up, okay? And so you need to understand that in those situations, the very best thing we can do when we're traveling a not so good road, the very wisest thing we can do sometimes is to stop traveling the road that we're on and get on a better road. The very best of us in this life need directions from time to time. And there's even sort of a more foundational truth in this and that has to do with the danger level of the journey that we happen to be taking. Because some journeys really are more of a dangerous type, and in those kinds of contexts, we not only need directions, we need a guide. For example, if you were thinking of scaling Mount Everest, there are roughly a dozen different recommended guide outfits you can take. I looked it up this week. And even in those guide outfits that are recommended, there are many more outfits out there. There's only a 10 or so that you want to trust your life to, but even those guide outfits can't guarantee safety. If you wanted to scale Mount Rainier, there are more outfits that you could contract with, but still a very limited number of folks that you would be willing to trust your life to. And what is it that makes these guides trustworthy? What is it that would uh, uh, cause you to place your care and safety into the hands of another? It's simply this, that they have been there that they have experience and expertise and they know the way and back again. And this brings me to my second journey truth, that the more dangerous, amazing, and important the journey, the more I need a guide. Friends, today we're talking about the journey of your life and there is no more amazing and dangerous and important journey than that. And of course, this brings us to Jesus because Jesus has made it to the summit and back, and that's what makes him worth following. Who is the only person who can say, I have lived full life, I have accomplished my purpose, I have beaten death, and I am here to help you do the same? It's Jesus. But of course, it all hinges on this fact that Jesus is the Savior who rose again from the grave. And today, we are gathered with roughly half the population of planet Earth singing songs and celebrating the fact that though Jesus died publicly, visibly, horribly for crimes that he did not commit, crimes, in fact, that I committed, sins that I committed and you committed, the world committed, but not Jesus, and yet he died for those crimes on a day called Good Friday. And Good Friday, we've talked about this, that, that Good Friday, that, that day is filled with discouragement and despair. It's fraught with darkness and with fear and depression. And then Saturday, the day that followed Good Friday, that is a day that's filled with clouds and brooding. It's filled with confusion and doubt. And the reason why I bring this up is because I know that there are some of you, you are traveling the road of Friday. And that is a dark road for you, and it's filled with discouragement and despair. It's filled with darkness and dead ends. And, and then some of you are traveling the road of Saturday, 
where, where it's just filled with confusion and doubt and, and there's a brooding and a restlessness about your journey. And, and if you're on Friday, you're saying, I can never change the road I'm on. And if you're on Saturday, you're saying, I don't know if I can ever change the road I'm on. But friends, I wanna invite you to travel the road of Sunday because Sunday is a day of resurrection. It's the day of victory. It's the day of celebration. It's the day when good triumphs. It's the day when possibilities are endless. It's the day when God is with us and for us because Sunday is the day that Jesus refused to stay in the tomb. And it's because of the empty tomb that we realize Jesus has already changed the road I'm on. And friends, what this means is that the real journey the important journey, the, the journey of a lifetime, the journey of eternity, it begins at the empty tomb. And that's the next fill-in. It's our real journey begins at the empty tomb. Now, it does not mean that there isn't anything good in a life in which Jesus is not a part of yet. It doesn't mean that there isn't laughter, isn't friendships, that there are no intense moments of love as you stare into the eyes of your newborn and realize that life is a miracle. I would argue that all these things actually are gifts from a good God. We call these common grace. But what I am arguing is that the journey of ultimate meaning, of true purpose, the journey of eternity has a starting location. And that place, that starting place, is peering into a tomb that is no longer required. I want to read to you a passage of scripture from the Gospel of John. And it says this. It says, early on Sunday morning, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and found that the stone had been rolled away from the entrance. She ran and found Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved. She said, they have taken the Lord's body out of the tomb, and we don't know where they have put him. Peter and the other disciples started out for the tomb. They were both running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He stooped and looked in and saw the linen wrappings lying there, but he didn't go in. Then Simon Peter arrived and went inside. He also noticed the linen wrappings lying there, while the cloth that had covered Jesus' head was folded up and lying apart from the other wrappings. Then the disciple who had reached the tomb first also went in. Look at this. And he saw and believed, for until then they still hadn't understood the scriptures that said Jesus must rise from the dead. He saw and believed, and a whole new journey opened up for him. The women went to the tomb, they found it, that it was empty, and it started them on the journey of a lifetime. The disciples followed, they found the tomb was empty, and it started them on a journey of purpose and mission. And then look at the Apostle Paul's testimony in 1 Corinthians 15. He writes, I passed on to you what was most important. This is most important. And what has also been passed on to me. Christ died for our sins, just as the scriptures said. He was buried and he was raised from the dead on the third day, just as the scriptures said. He was seen by Peter and then by the 12. After that, he was seen by more than 500 of his followers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have died. Then he was seen by James and later by all the apostles. Last of all, as though I had been born at the wrong time, I also saw him. Friends, you see, Paul met the risen Jesus and it changed the whole trajectory of his life. A whole new journey opened up for him. 
And so the question I want to ask you on Easter morning is, have you visited the empty tomb? Have you met the risen Jesus? I want you to go ahead and watch this video. Do you pray? Yes. To whom or what do you pray? To in Christ. Way? To Christ. Yeah. And, and what do you pray for? I pray to get to know um, <laughs> the will of God, because then the prayers have more chance of coming true. I mean, that's the thing about prayer, isn't it? I mean, we don't do it in a very lofty way in our family. There's just a bunch of us on the bed, usually. We have a very big bed in our house. And all our, we've prayed with all our kids. We, we you know, we just, we, we read the scriptures, we pray. It's not even regular. Sometimes if we go to church on a Sunday, we go when the church has ended, and we'll just go in on our own as a family. For peace and quiet. For peace and quiet. And we'll pray, usually about people that we know who are struggling with something, um, illness so, or so, so whatever. So then, what or who was Jesus as far as you're concerned? I think it's, the, it's a defining question for a Christian, is who was Christ. And, and I don't think you're let off easily by saying a great thinker or a great philosopher or, a, a, you know, because actually he went round saying he was the Messiah. That's why he was crucified. He was crucified because he said he was the Son of God. So he either, in my view, was the Son of God or he was not. No, no, nuts. Nuts, yes. Forget yes. rock and roll messianic complexes. This is like, I mean, Charlie Manson type delirium. And I find it hard to accept that all the millions and millions of lives, half the earth for 2,000 years, have been touched, have felt their lives touched and inspired by some nutter. I just, I don't believe it. I, so I think, therefore it follows that you believe he was divine. Yes. And therefore it follows that you believe that he rose physically from the dead. Yes, yeah, I mean, uh, I, I'm no problem with miracles. <laughs> living around them. I am one. So, so that's a guy named Bono, and he sings for a band called U2. And, he, and he's right. That's the defining question, isn't it? Did Jesus rise from the dead? Is, is he the risen Savior? Now, I, I realize that if you're here today and you're a U2 fan, that's all the authority you need. You're in. That was it. Done. Uh, but I also realize that for some of you, you know, an Irish singer is just not going to do it. And, 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 and yet it is one story, right? That is his story. That's, that's the journey that he's on. And of course, my story would be another, that I've met the risen Jesus and it's changed the whole trajectory of my life, started me on a whole new journey as well. And I would just let you know that you're surrounded by people who have met the risen Jesus, and who have been forgiven by the risen Jesus, and who have received joy and purpose and life from the risen Jesus, whose lives, Bono would say, have been touched by the risen Jesus. And so you've got these ladies who went to the tomb, and you've got the disciples who followed them. You've got the apostles and over 500 who met the risen Jesus, interacted with the risen Jesus. You've got Paul, whose life did a complete 180 when he met the risen Jesus. And you've got billions of people throughout history. You've got ex-convicts like Chuck Colson, ex-presidents like Theodore Roosevelt. You've got Super Bowl winners like Russell Wilson. You've got Super Bowl losers like Peyton Manning. <laughs> 
Preach it. You've got people who were poor, like Mother Teresa, and you've got people who were rich. You've got people who are educated and uneducated. You've got people from all countries and all circumstances and all walks of life, people expecting to meet God and people not expecting at all to meet God. And yet, when they peer into the empty tomb, what happens is that they meet the risen Jesus and the real journey, the journey of life and meaning and purpose, the journey of eternity begins. And I'm praying, and many have been praying, that if you're here today and you have not met the risen Jesus, that today would be a day when you're open to meeting the risen Jesus as well. Because friend, Jesus loves you. He loves you. He loves you so much that he died in your place and in my place. He, he died in our place to take away our sins and to reconcile us in friendship to God. He loves us so much that he defeated hell and he defeated death and he offers himself now as a sacrifice for your sins, for everything that you've ever done that's made you feel guilty, for everything that you've ever done that's made you feel embarrassed or ashamed, for everything you've ever done that has hurt yourself or hurt somebody else. Jesus takes it all on himself and it's nailed to the cross and it's done. And he offers heaven to every heart humble enough to receive it as a free gift. And it all begins when we simply peer into the open tomb and we see that it is empty and Jesus is in fact risen. I wanna tell you it doesn't matter how far your road has gone. It doesn't matter how far afield you may have wandered, how dark the path you're on is currently. Jesus loves you now. And he's inviting you to peer into the open tomb now. And he's inviting you to begin the journey of a lifetime, the journey of eternity with him now. But it all starts when we meet the risen Jesus. So I want to invite you to focus on the words of this song, because it really does tell the story of Easter.
Friends, that is the story, that he is risen forever, forever risen, forever glorified, that, that we sing hallelujah because we serve a resurrected king. And friends, I want you to understand that the journey begins with that realization. The journey begins when we glimpse into the tomb and realize that it's empty, that, that Jesus is in fact risen. And I want to read this passage of scripture to you, Romans 10, 9. It says, if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God, what, raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Amen. So the, this idea of confession, that we believe Jesus is Lord and then we believe that he is raised from the dead, he is our resurrected king, then it says that's salvation. And, and we're talking about a journey. The journey that we're talking about is the with God life. It's a relationship with God that starts now but lasts forever and ever. That's what salvation is. And so it begins with this confession. It begins with this belief. And, and we're going to talk next week about what some of the tools are that God has given us to help us in our journey with him. But there is one sure tool, and I want to focus on it as we close. It's this, that he has given us the ability to picture our destination. Right? If you're filling in the blanks, we get to picture your destination. 
my buddy was telling me that this last week he was taking his family, his wife, his four kids, his two in-laws on a hike through the woods to a rope swing that he had heard about. But the hike took a little bit longer than he anticipated. Things got a bit dodgy. Kids got a little impatient. My buddy may or may not have taken a wrong turn on the trail. And yet he continued to picture the destination ahead and he continued to describe the destination to his family. And finally they got there and it was all worthwhile. And so I, I want to encourage you with some of the glimpses we get, the pictures we have in Scripture of the destination that awaits all of us. There's this great passage in Philippians which talks about the destination that awaits every single soul, every human who ever lived is, is caught in this passage of Scripture from Philippians 2. It says, when he, meaning Jesus, when he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on the cross. Therefore, God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all other names that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under earth and every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Friends, that's the destination that awaits all of us. And, and so the encouragement, the invitation we have is we get to practice bowing the knee now. And we get to practice professing with our tongue now that Jesus is Lord because there will be a day when all will. We get to practice now. Now there's this other picture of the destination from Revelation 21. It says, look, God's home is now among his people. He will live with them, and they will be his people. God himself will be with them. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There'll be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All these things are gone forever. And the one sitting on the throne, that's Jesus, said, look, I am making everything new. Friends, the, the picture we have in the scriptures of our destination is indescribable joy. It's saturated with love, at home in your own skin, an eternity without blemish. Friends, that is where the journey ends for all who joyfully confess that Jesus is Lord, for all whose journey begins at the empty tomb, for all who have met the risen Jesus. And so the question that you need to ask yourself on this Easter morning, is the pathway that I'm on leading me to that destination? Is that the direction that I'm currently heading? Is the journey that I'm currently walking making me the sort of person that professes with my mouth and with my life that Jesus is Lord? Have I seen the empty tomb? Have I met the risen Savior? And am I journeying with him? Friend, I want to tell you very clearly that you do not have to do anything to earn God's love. You have to do nothing to earn God's love. God has already proved his love for each and every one of us. He has proven it again and again and again. God loves you. 
And so he has blessed you and he's poured out on your life friendship and laughter and provision. He's poured out on your life common grace after common grace. He's poured out on your life his lavish love. He has shown his love not only in creation but in crucifixion where he has taken your sin, removed every barrier that stands between you and God the Father. He has proven his love for you and you need do nothing to earn it except receive it. Just receive it as a gift. Just understand that Jesus is who he said he was, that he's God in the flesh, that he did accomplish what he set out to accomplish, the removal of your sin and your shame. He has taken it away as far as the east is from the west, and he loves you. And realize that the tomb is now empty, that you can reach out to Jesus and find that he is a risen Savior. Let me point you to one more scripture. It's from Romans 5. It says, for since friendship with God was restored by the death of his son while we were still his enemies, we will certainly be saved through the life of his son. You might want to underline that phrase. We will certainly be saved through the life of his son. It's his life that brings us life. And so I want to encourage you to embrace his life today and to begin your journey or reaffirm your journey with the risen Savior, Jesus Christ. Why don't you bow your heads and close your eyes and let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we affirm that you are who you claim to be, God in the flesh. We have peered into your tomb and found it empty. We have met the risen Savior and we are journeying with you toward a destination that is so incredible it blows us away. And maybe you're here today and, and you have never begun the journey with Jesus. And today's a day that you're peering into the tomb and finding it empty. Today's a day that you want to reach out and begin your journey with him. Or maybe you're here and you have wandered far. Maybe the road that you have been on has taken you into dark places, far afield. And today you want to remember the empty tomb and begin that journey with Jesus again. And if that's you, I just want to encourage you to pray this prayer in your own heart. You might want to just whisper it quietly in your own seat, but just say something like, Dear Jesus, I believe you died for my sins and for the sins of the whole world. I believe you rose again from the grave, that the tomb is empty today. And I want to journey with you humbly through this life and forevermore. In Jesus' name, amen.